to see everyone here this morning. All right, so before I begin, several of you have asked about the kitten. So I'm going to give an update this morning. Mo, which is now the kitten's name, which, which is short for motor because we found him on the motor of a truck, has now become a moor. Thank you. Now, understand, because I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, you know what? Slate is a sucker. This now gives us an opportunity to drop animals off at his house, and he'll take them in. In fact, I uh, had an opportunity to spend some time on Friday night with Daryl and Jeanette, and they were talking about dropping their rabbit off at our house. And I told them, as moors, we eat rabbit. Okay? We're from Alabama, or I'm from Alabama, Julie's from Mississippi, and so we eat all kind of animals, so you got to be careful what you drop off at our door. And in fact, one night we were having dinner with uh, Gerald and Gigi Serdan, and I don't know how we got off on the subject of raccoons, but at one point, Gerald looks at me and he said, you guys from Alabama eat raccoons, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess we do. So anyway, be careful about what you drop off at our doors. Second of all, my grandson is here. Isn't that awesome? Man, yeah. Good-looking kid. If he cries, not my fault. has nothing to do with me. So anyway, if he cries, it's okay. It's my grandson. All right, so as you guys can see, we're beginning a new series today on the fruit of the Spirit. Why the fruit of the Spirit? Well, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe a couple of months ago, I was talking to Debbie King on the phone, and she was going through a study on the fruit of the Spirit. And so she asked me, she said, have you ever done a study on this? And I said, yes, I, I know I have. Let me go back. I keep a record of everything that I speak on so that I'm not speaking on the same thing over and over and over again. So I went back and I told Debbie, I said, it's been eight years since I've spoken on the fruit of the Spirit. And I've spoken on the Holy Spirit several times, but actually broken down the fruit of the Spirit. It's been eight years. And so I told her, I said, Debbie, you've, you've really fired me up. This is something that I need to do because this is so important. In fact, tell me if you agree, but there are some things in life that you just can't explain with words. Y'all agree with that? I mean, it doesn't matter how you define it, how you describe it. It doesn't matter if you use a metaphor or illustrations. I mean, there are some things where words just don't cut it, and it is better explained when it is seen. And I really believe that this is true when it comes to what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, which is the fruit of the Spirit. God gives us His Spirit to live inside of us. He, he gives us these characteristics that are to be seen, not just talked about as Christians, but to be seen in our lives. Now, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, look at Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 through 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And these nine qualities, when they are visible, when they are tangible in our lives, people stand back and they go, Oh, that's what real love looks like. Oh, that's what patience looks like. Oh, that's what joy looks like and self-control looks like. It may be hard to define, it may be hard to describe or even explain with words, but people know it. People get it when they see it lived out in our lives. And so over the next couple of weeks... We're going to be looking at these nine different qualities, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to begin with these two, love and kindness. Because here's the deal, what what I hope everyone, before we leave today, understands is that really these two are linked because kindness, and you may want to write this down, kindness is simply love in action. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you would openly admit that there have been times when you have struggled with love and kindness? Or you know someone who has struggled with love and kindness. Now maybe everybody will raise their hand. Don't point at the person next to you. I know you've got someone probably in mind. I'll openly admit to you this morning, there have been times when I've struggled with this. There have been times when I've struggled to be who I am, the characteristics that you just read just a few minutes ago. And, and, and here's the deal. This is, this is something else I, I want you to understand. There's a reason that love is mentioned first. And the reason is this, the greatest value is love. Don't leave without understanding that today. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. I'm sure this is a text that you guys have probably read before, but here's what Paul says about it. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and white church, and love. And the greatest of these is what? Said out loud is love. Then what's interesting is Paul goes right into the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and he says, let what? Let love be your what? Be your highest goal. In other words, in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in your community, in this divided and broken world. Listen to me. Love as Christians should be our highest goal. I told you this is something that I have struggled with. In fact, what I want to encourage you to do this morning is I want you to look at yourself. I want you to think back 10 years. And and I know that that's tough for some of you. It's tough for me. Like, I, I can barely remember what I did last week. But I want you to try and think back 10 years. 
And I want you to take your life from 10 years ago, and I want you to compare it to your life today. And I think as you look back, I think some of you will recognize that, you know, your families have grown, your bank accounts have probably grown, your house has probably grown, maybe your your waistline has grown a little bit, it's gotten bigger, COVID hasn't been nice to some of us, right? But what I want you to do is you go back 10 years and you compare it today. I want you to think about your heart. Over the last 10 years, has your heart grown? Over the last 10 years, can you say that that your love has grown? And how do you think people would answer those who know you best, those who are close to you, how do you think they would answer that question for you? And this is so important. Paul talks about the importance of it back in verse 1 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love, I would only be a white church a noisy gong, or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I could master every language. I mean, if I was this this great communicator who could mesmerize thousands of people with my words, and yet I don't love... He said, my words are really no better than noise. Then he goes on in verse 2 and he says, If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would what, church? I would be nothing. In other words, and I know we've got graduates here today, in other words, if I were to graduate valedictorian, And then I were to go off to college and I were to get all these degrees. I've got my BA and and my MA and I've got my doctorate's degree and and I've actually memorized the Bible. And I mean, I can can take a, a, a theological, biblical question and I mean, I can just absolutely dissect it. And if I had faith, to move mountains. Think about that. And yet I don't love. All that I say that I believe, all these spiritual convictions that I hold, all those degrees and all that information, guess what Paul says? It's useless. It's worth nothing. Then he goes on in verse 3, he says, If I gave everything I have to the poor, can you imagine that? Let's just say that you give everything you have to help other people. And even sacrifice your body. You become a martyr for the Lord. Maybe you're burned at the stake. He said, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have, what church? I would have gained nothing. 
And so no matter what we say and no matter what we do as king and country sings, we are bankrupt without love. If we don't love, it's all worth nothing. Then after Paul talks about the importance of love, in verse 4 he injects this. Love is what, church? Love is kind. You see, write this down. You can't love without kindness. Because kindness, as I said earlier, is love in action. Kindness is not something we feel. Kindness is not something that we just internalize. Kindness, listen to me, is something that we do. Someone once said, and I love this, kindness is the language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. But again, man, there are times when I'm not very loving and I'm not very kind. And the reason why, and this is our second point, there's a great conflict that goes on every day between our flesh and the Spirit of God that is working inside of us. I don't know how many of you have small children right now. You're raising small children. But I feel for you. I, not too long ago, Julie and I had someone ask us to wa watch their children for several days. And man, after we got done watching those kids, I was absolutely worn out. And so not only can you not drop your pets off at our house, don't drop your kids off at our house either. <laughs> but I mean, we, we were worn out. And, and I was reminded of, of when our kids were, were younger. I mean, I, I remember there were times, man, we'd get in the car, and as soon as we got in the car, they'd start arguing, don't look at me, don't touch me, and, and, and somebody is inevitably going to start complaining, I don't want to eat at that restaurant, and how much longer? And i got to tell you, I'll be honest with you this morning, there were times when I was not kind to my kids. And there are times when I've not been kind to Julie. In fact, just the other day, man, I said something to her about her clothing in front of her entire family. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's one of those things, Richard, you look back and you go, man, what was I thinking? <laughs> and, and later on, Julie, in private, she was kind to me. She should have come up and slapped me, but she didn't. She came up to me in private and she said, that really embarrassed me. There are some times when I'm not very kind to Julie. There, there have been times in my life where I made poor choices. I think that's probably the best word. And it's in those times when I really think about it, I regret those choices that I've made. And, and I don't want you to miss this about this conflict. 
How many of you have ever been living in the Spirit? I mean, you're, you're loving people, you're showing them kindness, and then afterward you thought to yourself, man, why in this world did I do that? Why was I so loving? Why was I so kind? But then how many of us can honestly say that there have been times when we weren't loving and we weren't kind, but in the moment we thought, ooh, this is going to feel good. I'm going to let them have it, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to withhold this. And after it's over, it's just this, I mean, this moment, maybe even days of deep regret. Understand that about the flesh. Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, 16 through 17, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, which leads to this guilt. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are white church. They're constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. If you're a Christian, there's something that I know about you in that every day there is this conflict between the flesh and the spirit. My eyes were really open to this big time throughout COVID and the election. I think for so long, I think I've had blinders on. But man, when COVID hit and the election hit, man, the blinders came off because, man, I saw people who claimed to be Christians who were very unkind. Over the mask thing, and I don't care how you feel about the mask. I mean, I'm not going to get into all that stuff today. What concerns me is how we responded to that how we responded to other people, even other Christians. And our leaders, men that we're supposed to hold up within the church, who, man, this is supposed, their leadership is supposed to be a joy. But I've seen leaders who at times have been broken because they've been treated so unkindly. And going to the election, and again, I'm not getting into who you voted for. What I'm concerned about is how we responded to that. I saw Christians who were very, very unkind. And people say, well, hey, the truth's got to be told. Yes, but Ephesians chapter 4, what does Paul say? You can teach the truth in love. You don't have to be nasty. You don't have to be ugly. In fact, as, as Christians, we can't afford to. But here's the thing. I, I, I shouldn't have been so shocked at this. Why? Because I realized that deep within every single one of us, if you are a child of God, there is this conflict between the flesh and the spirit. But here's the good news. We don't have to do life in our own strength. I love talking about the fruit of the Spirit because we're, we're talking about something that God does in us through His power, through His strength. 
Right? What, what we're called to do is to abide in Him. What we're called to do is to simply keep our roots deep in Him. And He gives us the power and the strength to overcome. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 4 through 5? Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce its fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who, what church? Who remain in me and I in them will what? Will produce fruit. For apart from me, where does the power come from? God. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, I could saw off one of my avocado trees that I have at the very base, and I could bring it up in here, and I could show it to you. But here's the thing. Would that tree, if I cut it off at the base, would it produce fruit? No, of course not. Why? Because it's separated from its source. It's separated from the roots. And here's the deal. When we give our life to Jesus, when we put Him on in baptism, Acts 2.38 tells us not only do we receive the forgiveness of all our sins, but we also receive the gift of who? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in, inside of us and He works on us 24-7 to help us to produce the kind of fruit that we need to produce as Christians. Some of you may be wondering how He does that. Well, John 16.8 tells us that He convicts. Romans 8, verse 6, He empowers and then he waits. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've had this play out in my life. Like I told you guys, there have been times when I've been un unkind to my kids and I've been unkind to my wife. But, but there were times in the moment, maybe in dealing with other people, in, in the moment, I was convicted. I knew before I said it. I knew before I did it what was right. How I should respond. How I should act in this moment. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit even gave me the strength. He was present there to give me the strength to overcome what I shouldn't do and to be exactly who God wants me to be. And then He waits for me to respond. He convicts, He empowers, and, and then He waits. Because here's the deal, we always have the choice to cooperate or not. The Bible tells us we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can turn Him off and say, I'm not listening to you. This seems like it's going to be much better. This is going to feel much better. And again, it's those times where I turn him off and I make the choice to go with the flesh instead of the spirit that I began to have big regrets. And most of the time I do a lot of damage. 
Now, if you really want to know how you're doing in this, the Bible gives us really a love meter test. It's just five words. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. These are the five words. Consider others better than yourself. That's the test. I've already told you there are times when I have filled this miserably. But now I'm asking you, how do you do with this? Do you consider others better than yourself? Jesus did. He did all the time. Right? He considered others better than himself. In fact, if you get down into verse 7, it talks about he gave up his divine privileges. I mean, you're talking about the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Are you with me? He gave up everything and he came to this earth and he humbled himself and took on the position of a what, church? Of a slave. Your translation may say a servant. Considering others better than himself. And man, he took a lot of flack for this, didn't he? Especially from the religious leaders as he would hang out with what they would call notorious sinners like prostitutes who knew what it was like to be wanted for just a small portion of time and then cast aside. And Jesus would show them real love. And He would show them kindness. And on one occasion, you had the disciples, right, who had parents bringing their kids to Jesus. And, and, and listen, kids weren't at the top of the list during that day and time. They weren't coddled and, and babied like they are today and giving them everything they weren't. No, no not, not back then. They were on the, the low end of the totem pole, and parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, and the disciples tell them, look, Jesus doesn't have time for a bunch of kids. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, this is an opportunity for us to show kindness. This is an opportunity to show love. Let, let the little kids come to me. And then in Luke chapter 19, you have this story about a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. And remember, tax collectors, they were traitors. And Jesus is walking along, there's this tax collector in a tree who's just trying to see Jesus. And Jesus, seeing him in the tree, says, Zacchaeus, come down here. I want to spend time with you today. I want to go to your house. He shows him love and, and kindness. Every day, Jesus considered himself as better or others better than himself. And yet, he was the greatest of all. Now, there are some people that I have no trouble treating better than myself. Like those who are famous. Celebrities. Listen, if Nick Saban, the greatest coach of all time, were to come to my house, 
I know how I'd respond. Man, when he pulled up in the driveway, I would run out there and open his car door. I would lead him to my house and I would open my house door for him. And then I'd lead him to the head of the table and we would feed him and I would hang on his every word. And if he said anything remotely funny, I would just, oh man, I would, I would just double over laughing. And then when it was time for him to go, I would walk him back to his car and as he was leaving, man, I would wave, maybe even cry. Why? Because he's Nick Saban. Someone who's famous. There's no, there's no battle brewing in my life when I have an opportunity to treat someone like that kind and with love. But what about common people? What about our spouse? What about our kids? What about the waitress who maybe didn't keep your drink as filled as you want them to? Or what about the neighbor whose dog does terrible things to your yard? Do you show love and kindness then? Do I consider them better than myself? Listen to me this morning. It has never been more important to be kind to people than it is right now. Sometimes, man, that's a challenge, isn't it? It's not easy. It's not easy at times to treat common people, your spouse, your kids, your, your parents, your employees, to treat other races, to treat Republicans, to treat Democrats, to treat the forgotten, to treat everybody as better than ourselves. It's tough, but remember, how do people recognize love when it's expressed? through kindness. One of my favorite stories about this young man, Christian, several years ago, Jeanette, Daryl, and Hannah went to Honduras on a mission trip to build homes for the people in Honduras. What they build over in Honduras as homes would be sheds here in America, but they are so happy to get it. And I think, if this is the way I understand the story, I talked to Jeanette, Yesterday, and I hope I don't get all this mixed up, but, but Daryl had gotten sick. And Jeanette really didn't want to leave him behind. She really didn't want to just go by herself with Hannah out onto the you know, place where they're going to be building these houses, but she knew that they needed them, and so they went. And this young man was there. His name is Christian and another young man by the name of Will. And they were guards. When, when you go to Honduras to build these houses, they hire guards with machine guns to watch over you because sometimes it can be dangerous. But Jeanette and Hannah, they're, they're building this house for the people of Honduras. And Christian and Will, these two guards... They see the love that Jeanette and Hannah have for their people. And they put down their guns and they start helping them build. And by the time the day is over, and I'm just going to make everything short. And I apologize, Jeanette. I'm not doing this story justice. But by the time everything is over, Jeanette and Christian, they really connect. 
And you have to understand, there's a language barrier there. Jeanette knew some Spanish, uh, but she would have to use a translator a lot to be able to communicate with Christian. But, but here's the deal. Even though there, there may not have been a whole lot of communication, there was one thing that Christian understood. That Jeanette and Hannah and Daryl loved him. They were so kind to him. And, and so they connected on Messenger. The next day, Daryl was able to come out. He connected with Christian. Then before they left, they were able to give Christian a Bible. And then Jeanette continued to keep up with Christian after she came back to the States. And she began to learn more and more Spanish just so she could communicate with him, and then the next time they go to Honduras, Daryl baptizes him into Christ. Love and kindness. And, and I want you guys to pray about something. Jeanette has been working really hard, and there's just been so many roadblocks in the way to get Christian over here because they want Christian to basically be adopted into their family. And he wants to be here real bad. So uh, I want to encourage you guys to, to pray about that for them. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you really to put your love into action this week. And I want to encourage you to do it in three ways. First of all, be spontaneous. I realize that there are certain things that we can plan and, and it will definitely help us to grow in our love and in our kindness, but the nature of loving kindness is to respond spontaneously when we see it. Right in the moment, and, and the Spirit is, is prompting us to do it right then and there. And, and I say this because how many of you have ever had someone do something kind for you or, or they've been really generous to you and you thought, man, I'm going to go home right now. I'm going to write them a thank you card. And you go home and you forget about it. And, and then, you know, you wake up the next day. Okay, man, I got I to write them a card right now. And you put it off and you forget about it and you forget about it. And then finally it gets to the point it's like embarrassing, right? It was so long ago and you still hadn't sent a card. And it's, oh, man. And, and so finally you get to the point, you're like, ah, just forget it. And so the same can happen with our loving kindness. Listen, opportunities to show kindness don't last. You have to see the moment have to seize it. it. You know, maybe you're, you're in a restaurant, and right now a lot of restaurants are, are short-staffed. And, and maybe, you know, your food didn't get to the table as fast as you wanted to because you got one waiter or one waitress, I mean, just really hopping throughout the restaurant instead of complaining and griping because, you know, it, it got there late. How about encourage them, show them some kindness, maybe even give them a good tip. Or maybe you go to the grocery store and, man, right up front it's that parking place. And you see someone coming and man, you've got an opportunity to dart in there and take that front row space, but you decide, you know what, I'm just going to let them have it. You choose kindness, I'll just I'll park in the back, I can walk. 
It's not that big of a deal. Express loving kindness spontaneously. Also be sensitive to it. There are people all around you who need loving kindness emotionally, relationally, physically, spiritually. And so what I'm saying to you is look around and open your eyes to it. Be aware that it's there. There are opportunities all around you to make a difference in someone's life through your kindness and your love. And then lastly, be willing to sacrifice. Listen, loving kindness will always cost. There may be some of you this morning, in fact, who are thinking, listen, there is no way that I'm expressing loving kindness to others today. I mean, what has anybody ever really done for me? Why should I express that? Why should I respond that way? They were, they were nasty to me. They were ugly to me. Why should I respond that way? Here's a good reason. Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be what? Kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Why? Because God in His kindness, God in His love, He came and He sacrificed Himself for us. Let me say this as I close, and I want to be as straight up with this as I can. If you are a follower of Jesus, I just want you to know that it is no longer okay to be harsh, sarcastic, rude, talking down to people, using intimidating body language. Listen to me, that's not okay. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to be a Christian, that is not okay. And, and you can try and rationalize it, and you can laugh about it, and you can say, you know what, this is just the way God created me, or you know what, this is just the way it is when you get older. No, stop making excuses. Bring it before God, repent of it, pray about it, and let the Holy Spirit empower you to overcome it. Because it's never going to get any better if you keep letting it and excusing it away. Love and kindness. God not only showers us with it, He empowers us to have it in our own personal lives. This morning, if there is someone in the audience that needs prayers, listen, um, I understand some people... Uh, they, they don't like to come up and uh, maybe you're introverted like me and, and I know that's hard for you to believe but sometimes I'm, I can be very introverted and, and coming up in public it's, it's difficult and so if there's something you want us to pray about you can leave it at the cross this morning or, or if you want to come forward this morning and, or if today you've decided, man, I want to put on Christ in baptism. Not only do I need His forgiveness, 
But I need, I need that choice. I, I, because you see, that, that's the deal. Before we give our lives to Jesus, we only have one choice, right? And it's to live in the flesh. But when we give ourselves to Jesus and His Spirit lives within us, now, right, we've, we've got another choice, which is to live in the Spirit. And so maybe you're saying this morning, I need, I need that choice. I need the Spirit to give me the strength to be who I need to be. Whatever the case may be, I hope you'll stand this morning as we sing one of my favorite songs, The Greatest Command. Let's stand.